This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you all the latest news and information of special interest to new migrants settling in Dunedin. Welcome to Resettling in Aotearoa with Citizens Advice Bureau. Kia ora koutou, no mai ano. Welcome back to Citizens Advice Bureau or Te Poti Dunedin Monthly Resettling in Aotearoa show. Kai Anna ingoa. I'm Anna and I'm the manager here at CAB in Dunedin. This evening we're going to have a chat about finding safe beaches and other beach info, other camping options. Um, on top of the ones we spoke about last month, the dock huts and the conservation campsites, conservation land campsites, and your, also your rights around renting holiday accommodation. So firstly, um, how can you find out which beaches beaches are safe for families to swim at? So um, the locals actually often know about any safety hazards on their beaches. But if you're a visitor, you probably won't be aware of which uh, parts of the beach are safe. So it's always wise to go to a patrolled beach. Patrolled beach is one where surf life say, sorry, surf lifeguards are on the lookout for people in trouble and where the lifeguards have decided is the safest spot to swim. And so they mark those with flags. So if you swim between the flags, you'll always be a lot safer um, than if you swim elsewhere on the beach. So it's always best practice to swim between the flags on a patrol beach. Um, you can find a patrolled beach or find out about a particular beach, like whether it is patrolled and what facilities are available by searching on the www.safeswim.org.nz website. Um, and that's kept up to date by Surf Life Saving New Zealand. Um, you still need to take some responsibility, though, for, um, for keeping safe yourself by being able to swim for a start. Uh, supervising your children. So, you know, like if they're under eight, you have to be within arm's reach of them at all times. Um, and even over that, you've got to be right there. You got to, don't, can't take your eyes off them. Um, you, can't, you shouldn't mix alcohol with swimming. You've always got to know what your limits are. Um, and you've also got to know what to do if you get into trouble while in the water, which is to raise your hand in the air to get a lifeguard's attention. Um, remember to apply and reapply sunscreen regularly and avoid the most UV intense part of the day where you'll get the most unburnt, which is between 10.30 and 3.30. Or stay in the shade as much as you can. Um, you'll also find water safety tips on the Water Safety New Zealand website, www.watersafetynz.org. So what about lighting a bonfire or a fire on the beach? So are you allowed to do that? Well, it depends on exactly where and when you want to light your bonfire. You must not light any fires in the open during a total fire ban, during the prohibited fire season, or where there are any signs which say fires are prohibited. If you wish to light an open fire on public conservation land, or in some cases within one kilometre of public conservation land, you'll need to obtain a fire permit from the Department of Conservation. And you can contact your local dock office to check whether you can light an open fire at your particular location, or, or to apply for a fire permit. 
if the place where you want to have a bonfire is not public conservation land, you can visit the Fire and Emergency Services website to check the fire ban or um, permit status of any rural area in the country and to apply for a permit if necessary. You still need to comply with your local council burning restrictions relating to smoke, nuisance and controls under the Resource Management Act. Even if you've been, even if you are issued a fire permit by fire and emergency, um, and we at CAB can help you find out about fire bans and fire permits in your area, if you if you want to know more about that. Um, so, it, like last week, we talked about the dock huts and and camping on conservation land. Um, we just thought we'd discuss a little bit about where else you can go camping in New Zealand apart from that. Um, so you can find campsites all around New Zealand. Some campsites has facility, have facilities such as bathrooms, showers and kitchens, while others are more minimal, so it depends what you're looking for. There are also commercially run campsites in most towns in New Zealand. Uh, there's a web page uh, called Rankers Camping New Zealand Rankers, which is camping-nz.rankers.co.nz. So you can use the filters on that website to find camping, dock campsites, freedom camping, tent camping, ones where dogs are allowed, holiday parks, and also you can filter the top ranked camping of all those different types, the ones that people have ranked highly. Um, those people have, get, have spent seven over 17 years gathering the Camping New Zealand information just so you can experience the best of New Zealand. You can also, again, visit an EyeSight Visitor Information Centre and Dunedin's is visit an EyeSight Information Centre is at 50 the Octagon and it's in that covered walkway corridor that you walk through from the Octagon through to the Dunedin City Council Service Centre on the right. Um, they can also give you information about the area you're visiting and make bookings for accommodation activities for you. Um, so freedom camping is another type of framping at camping. And that is camping on public land that is not a designated campsite. Uh, freedom camping is when you camp in a tent, a camper van or a motor vehicle on public land uh, with few or no facilities, like there'll be, there's no toilets or showers or very few. Uh, and there's, there are rules you must follow when you freedom camp. If you want to camp on council land, you need to check the council's, the council's rules about freedom camping. Remember, though, that um, in the first instance, campers and tents and non-self-contained vehicles, which I'll explain in a minute, are encouraged to stay at licensed camping grounds. In the wider Dunedin area, campers staying in tents can only freedom camp at the Warrington Domain within the designated area. That's the only place you can freedom camp in a tent in the wider Dunedin area. Freedom campers in non-self-contained vehicles can only camp at three designated areas. Warrington Domain, the Ocean View Recreation Reserve and the Thomas Burns Car Park. Um, so it is the camper's responsibility to arrive at the site early enough to familiarise yourself with the signposted designated camping area, and if it's full, then you will then have the time to find another one. So certified self-contained vehicles 
can stay overnight on most gravelled or sealed roll sealed Dunedin City Council land that is set aside for parking. Um, but the following freedom camping rules apply at all sites. Maximum stay in one location is two consecutive nights and departure is by 8.30 in the morning, except for at Warrington, which is 12 noon. You have to respect the sites. They're public spaces, so you have to consider other users. You have to dispose of all the waste and facilities provided or take it with you. You can't toilet on the ground or in the bush or the forest. You can't discharge your sewerage or your grey water, which is your sink and your hand basin water. At, or you have to discharge it at designated wastewater dump stations, which most holiday parks have, and some petrol stations have dump stations for customer use as well. You have to place all your rubbish in the rubbish bins or take it with you. If the bins are full, you don't leave it on the ground beside the bin if it is full. Um, and you should not use any waterways, rivers or lakes, streams for toilet or in all the toilets for bathing, washing clothes or dishes. You have to um, use amenities provided wherever you can, where available. Not allowed to light fires. You have to park in a legal manner in the form parking areas without obstructing footpaths or other access. Um, and if you are in a self-contained vehicle, you must clearly display your certification. And gated reserves are locked at night and are not available for freedom camping. Campers not complying with the rules may be issued with a fine up to $800. And you can find a map of freedom camping areas around Dunedin on the DCC website, um, www.dunedin.govt.nz forward slash community hash facilities forward slash freedom camping. Um, they also have a long list of the prohibited areas around here, which is most of the peninsula, Ocean Grove, any cemetery, scenic reserve, and it will also show you the boundaries of the designated areas mentioned above. You can also use a freedom camping app to find sites where you can legally freedom camp. Um, and one, examples of those are one called Campermate and the Rankers, Rankers app. Um, now, so the definition of self-contained vehicles is is um, it has a toilet, shower, and wastewater facilities that are built in. Um, but if you want to read more about that, the Motor Caravan Association has more details about uh, what a self-contained vehicle is, and that website is nzmca.org.nz. So um, now we're going to just move on to a little bit about renting holiday homes and your rights and sort of what you can expect and how to deal with any issues that might arise or disputes. So websites such as Booker Batch and Airbnb are the, they're like the middle person between holiday homeowners or batch owners and and people that want to rent them short term for, for when they go on a holiday. Um, and they advertise these these holiday these holiday homes and batches and some also take bookings and receive payments and they should also some provide um, some sort of dispute resolution which will be on the site's terms and conditions 
Generally, when you book accommodation this way, your contract is with the, actually with the property owner rather than with the site owner, and that is who you'll need to deal with if you have any issues with the accommodation. However, some companies such as Airbnb allow you to contact them. Um, and when you just remember that when you book accommodation in New Zealand, mostly the, this accommodation is covered by the Consumer Guarantees Act and the Fair Trading Act which you can read about both on our website. Uh, people who offer uh, batches or holiday homes um, are, you know, they're, they're running a business. And so that's sort of defined as being in trade. And you also have rights under those laws um, when you're dealing with the host site. Um, if the site's based in New Zealand, um, which which book a batch is. In either case, if you can't um, resolve a dispute, you can you can lodge it with a disputes tribunal, which again, um, disputes tribunal information is on our website, how to lodge a claim, what they do, how to prepare, etc. Um, you have, unfortunately, less protection if the host sites for the accommodation are overseas. Um, if something goes wrong. If you paid for the accommodation using a credit card or debit card though, or a third party payment service, you might be able to um, contact um, the, the card provider or that payment service and get your money back. Um, you can also, it's good to put, use the website's feedback forms to express how you're feeling and what you weren't happy with. So what happens if you need to cancel the accommodation you've booked? So it's really important to read the cancellation terms before you actually book your accommodation. And they vary um, depending on which rental site you're using and who the property owner is. There's certain dates when you might get 50% back. There's, you know, really close to the actual date of, the, of when you're going. You'll have less right to a refund but if you cancel you definitely you might be charged a fee um, but it should be it should definitely be clearly set out in the terms and conditions so really make sure you read them before you book um, so is there a cap on cancellation fees or can they charge what they like well they must both the property owner and these rental sites they must ensure that their um, cancellation terms are fair um, and that the fees are reasonable. They can't, you know, penalise you unreasonably for cancelling, uh, or they're likely to be breaching the Fair Trading Act, which is the FTA. Um, you know, like you can't, like it's likely to breach the Fair Trading Act if they're saying, you know, 100% of the booking fee is is payable if you cancel. Um, and also, it's unfair if the person who is the owner of the property owner or the site is allowed to cancel at any time, but you yourself, the consumer, is finding it, or they make it difficult for you to do that. Um, so if you've been unfairly charged, you can also make a complaint to the Commerce Commission on www.comcom, that's comcom.govt.nz. Um, and it's also, we also recommend that you write a review on the booking listing about what happened. 
Um, and what, what about if for a situation where there's something like a massive storm and you can't use the accommodation? Again, you've always got to check the terms and conditions of your booking um, so you know in advance what will happen if that situation arises. Look for a clause that says something um, that what happens if the accommodation can't be used due to an unforeseen event that's out, you know, that's outside the control of the parties. Um, again, the cancellation terms must be fair. Otherwise, they're going to be they're risking breaching the Fair Trading Act. If there's nothing in the terms and conditions that states what will happen in these situations, then you can rely on um, the Contract and Commercial Law Act. Um, if the if the owner themselves cancel your booking, then you should be getting a full refund. Um, you might be given the option of transferring your payment to another property, but you don't have to actually take that offer if it doesn't suit you. Um, and what happens if the if, if the terms and conditions say that you uh, you are entitled to a refund, but then the accommodation provider refuses? Well, again, you can contact your bank actually about a chargeback, which will refund your card if you paid by credit or debit card. Um, and again, you can take the that person, that provider of that accommodation to the disputes tribunal. And what if you were never shown any terms and conditions when you booked? Um, and now the company or whoever you booked it off is saying, well, actually, these are our terms and are quoting them and refuse to give you a refund. Do those terms and conditions that you never saw apply? Well, no, they don't. So any terms and conditions um, are only part of the contract or the deal that you made if they were told to you or shown to you before you made the booking. They can't just make up terms to suit themselves you know, when th something changes. And so, yeah, the, they have to be in place when the, when you signed that contract or when you made that booking. Um, and that would, again, um, breach, is likely to breach the Fair Trading Act. So what other common holiday rental issues might arise? Well, what if it isn't, you know, like as, as advertised or you got there and it wasn't nothing like what you thought you were signing up for. So you can claim compensation if your holiday rental doesn't match what what was advertised. Um, you know, it might have called it a luxury place and it, or it might have been said it was down by the beach, um, but that's not what you got. So firstly, you'd get in touch with the owner and talk to them about it, try and resolve it reasonably, hoping both people will be reasonable. If you don't get anywhere, you know, always put it in writing first. Um, contact the website that you've booked it on. Some offer a dispute resolution. Um, and again, if any, all of that fails, you would have to go to um, the disputes tribunal to to try and get some compensation for what you paid for that or, yeah, that it wasn't up to scratch. Under the Consumer Guarantees Act, Accommodation must be provided using reasonable care and skill and be fit for purpose. So it means that it must be available um, over the period that you had arranged and booked for and it must be clean and all that. Um, and so the Fair Trading Act also makes it um, a breach if, if, if people make misleading claims or they misrepresent what the property's like. Uh, you can, you can, so what about 
So can you claim compensation if your holiday accommodation was double booked? Yes, you can. The Consumer Guarantees Act requires that um, traders, you know, provide their services with reasonable care and skill. Uh, so if if it's advertised for rent when it's actually not available, then you can definitely get a refund. And that might, can include um, any extra expenses. Like if you'd travelled there and then suddenly and it wasn't available. Um, if you've refused, if you refused a refund, again you'd have to lodge a claim with the disputes tribunal. Or again, if you paid by credit or debit card, you talk to your bank and they might be able to refund your card. It's called a chargeback. Um, what if you had to cancel your holiday bookings and they said you could rebook for a later date or get a partial refund? Should you know? Should you take that or what should you consider before before you? agree to that well again it will depend on the terms and conditions of why you had to cancel but if you get to choose between getting a partial refund or a rebooking at a later date um, you you have to check that you're going to get the same product without having to pay more or you'll be subject to, to um, you know make sure you're not going to have any price rises that have happened in the meantime. Um, if you need the money, you might prefer to get your money back, even if it's not a total refund. And the travel at a later date might not work because you might have been going for a special event like a wedding. If you rebook at a later date and then the provider goes out of business, well, you won't be able to get any refund. It's, it's highly unlikely. So you've got to consider all those things. Um, if you plan to stay in a hotel, motel, homestay, Airbnb, again, you need to read the terms and conditions when you book and pay for your stay. And that when you book and pay for your stay, you're actually agreeing to the terms and conditions. So it all they'll usually cover the cost of the room, the nightly rate, how you should pay, how to cancel or change your booking and the charges that will happen, the facilities that will be provided, like, you know, is the, net, is the Wi-Fi, is the breakfast included, whether you can bring your pets, how many people can stay in one room, whether children can be there, hanging up your laundry rules, cooking, um, whether you can bring guests and the time they have to leave and your checkout time and check-in time um, and, you know, guarantees about, like, if you leave valuables in there and liability. You can usually take these things you can take away with you normally. Mini soap, mini shampoo, conditioner bottles, mini moisturizer bottles, um, and any of the single serve tea, coffee, sugar stuff, biscuits. Um, but if there's a mini bar, if there is one, a price list should be beside it, and that you usually have to pay for that, so don't help yourself to that. Um, and it's usually not allowed, okay, you can't take other things like um, the dressing gowns or bath robes or towels or cutlery or crockery. Um, and again, um, you, you would complain to the compl to the provider if you think those terms and conditions have been met or then you'd have to go to the dispute tribunal. Um, yeah, so... If your flight's delayed or cancelled for reasons without an, with you know, within an airline's control, like operational mechanical issues, you might have rights under the Civil Aviation Act, but they actually aren't required to tell you about their rights. So um, be be mindful of that. 
and because they're not always upfront about the reason a flight's delayed or cancelled. So sometimes you can't work out what you're entitled to. Um, yeah, and also if you, sometimes if the tra if the airline is given the your actual travel agent the refund, it might take up to six weeks for the travel agent to process that refund. Um, again, if they don't give it back to you, same things, formal complaint, write a letter, apply to the disputes tribunal, get a charge back from your bank. So yeah, the Citizens Advice Bureau, www.cab.org.nz, has many articles on what we've discussed today, including camping, beach safety and rules, your rights when staying in holiday accommodation, how to complain effectively, how to lodge a complaint with the disputes tribunal, or a claim, I should say. Um, and the Consumer Guarantees Act, the Fair Trading Act. So have a really good look through there. You can always call Dunedin directly on 4716166 or use our nationwide free phone 0800 We have three language assistance services available. We're at 155 Princess Street. Our hours are 10 to 4, Monday to Thursday, and 10 to 1 on Friday. You can follow us on Facebook, Cab Dunedin. And on Instagram, citizens.advice.dunedin. Namihi kia koto. Thank you for listening in and to Otago Access Radio and Jeff for hosting us this evening. Um, yeah, noho oramai. Stay well. Matewa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.